Hey there, we're the West Slap Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, uh, we are continuing our previews. Uh, Tonight, we are looking at Northwestern's homecoming opponent, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Greg Schiano, in his second stint uh, in Piscataway, uh, had Rutgers a little feisty last year, uh, three and six. I mean, they weren't good, but they they were a little feisty. Um, And they bring a lot back, I think, both offensively and defensively. A lot of returners from last year. Um, John, I, I, know, I remember last year we were pretty much lambasting this defense and all, they're all back, but you know, tell us about the Rutgers D. It's funny. You should mention that Sam, because one of my favorite narratives from last season, and especially based on our preview for Rutgers heading into last season was that Rutgers didn't suck. So they got to three wins. They took Michigan to triple OT. They played Nebraska close. So, you know, Greg Schiano making moves. Uh, Nope. Rutgers sucked. At least they certainly did on defense. This defense (laughs) was the exact level of garbage that we expected that it was going to be. The only wrinkle when looking at Rutgers is that we didn't expect that Michigan was going to be such a disaster on defense because that's the only thing pushing Rutgers up a spot in scoring defense and total defense and making things look a little bit better than they actually were. But make no mistake, this was an awful defense, the second worst total defense in the conference. And you can definitely make the argument that this was the worst defense in the conference. We'd still give it to Illinois because of just how shittiest their run D was. But Rutgers was the only defense in the conference who truly did nothing well. It's actually worse than that, if such a thing is possible, because Rutgers' 2020 scoring defense is greatly buoyed by the fact that they grabbed a stupid seven turnovers in the opener against Michigan State, who lost five fumbles in that game. If Michigan State had only turned it over, let's say, five times in that game, Rutgers would have had two wins last year instead of three wins. Now, there's an important thing we should point out here. Rutgers actually technically did something well last year. And I'm not joking. This is actually something good. They finished third in the Big Ten in sacks. And unlike the turnover stat, this one was not all baked into the Michigan State game. You know why Rutgers finished third in the Big Ten in sacks? Because they have some good players. Two of them are the exact two guys we highlighted in last year's preview. Linebackers Olakunle Fadakasi and Tyshawn Fogg, who continued to pile up tackles last year, combining for 181 tackles, those two also combined for four sacks. Linebacker Mohamed Torre added another 4.5 sacks, and defensive end Mike Tverdoff added another four. And that's it. Those are the good Rutgers players. Some wings of the media will try to tell you that uh, Rutgers has a good secondary, which, nope. This team finished third in the conference in sacks and 11th in pass defense. You do the math. 
I could highlight safety Christian Izzine as a decent player back there. As if that matters, it doesn't. Rutgers has zero depth. Zero. A defensive line that was straight trash last year was then gutted through the transfer portal. So Rutgers is now touting an incoming defensive tackle from Temple. I will not do the same. Good day to you, sir. I said good day. (laughs) Rutgers returns its best players from last year, all of whom I listed above. And that will mean next to nothing. Offensive lines, especially ours, are going to just feast on this team, which is going to be pillow soft up front. So last year we joked about how Fatakasi and Fogg were talented linebackers who would spend tons of time grabbing at jerseys in the second level. So let's just run that joke back again. Um, And Lord help Rutgers if any of those linebackers, who are legitimately good, get hurt. So regression to the mean tells us that Michigan probably won't be quite as bad next year, which means Rutgers is dropping down a minimum one spot in the defensive rankings. Um, So if Greg Schiano is turning this group around, it's going to be with guys who are not here yet. And you know what? That is exactly the plan. If you look at the Rutgers 2022 class, it is four-star city right now. They have like a top-ranked recruiting class. It's kind of shocking at first. But uh, whatever could make this many top guys want to attend a dumpster fire of a program. Could it possibly be the 100% guarantee that they will be inserted into this defensive lineup immediately as true freshmen? Well, I mean, good luck with that, Greg Schiano. Uh, but you might be wise to look at, say, the Lovey Smith era at Illinois and realize that bringing in the occasional four-star guy means nothing if you don't build a bedrock of depth, the exact kind of thing Northwestern, Iowa, etc. do so well. So at least now we're going to see down the road when this four-star experiment goes, which is not going to be this season, it'll be next season and, and beyond. We'll see how that all goes. But right now... Rutgers ain't trending up a defense. They're just trending Rutgers. So offensively, Scuzz, um, they, they put up a few points last year. They put up a dramatic amount of points last year relative it, to their it, recent it was, history. It was surprising. Like I, I remember watching Rutgers from afar last year and like, wait a second, what? Yeah. And it wasn't just that Michigan defense they feasted on. Um, I mean, my, my, my tagline going into this year is transfers and returning starters. Oh, my. They bring back the entire offense plus uh, a number of dudes from elsewhere in college football. Look, last year we did not go too deep on Rutgers because they weren't on the schedule. Um, but my view from their offense was that they were extremely talent deficient, especially at wide receiver. The year would hinge essentially on the transfers that came in. I also said that hiring Sean Gleason away from Oklahoma State was a pretty strong move and and like a great starting point to rebuild in their offense. I said, I certainly did not expect them to score 20 plus points in every single game, but one. And they had games with 37, 38 and 42 points scored the year prior 2019 in conference games. They scored zero, zero, seven, zero, seven, 10, 21, zero and six points. That's four shutouts and three games with a touchdown or less. 
I mean, I would hope that a team would go up from that point because otherwise, like, you're not really a football team. <laughs> well, I mean, right. They could they, they had to go up, but their high score in the Big Ten in 2019 was basically the floor of their scoring last year. They averaged 26.7 points per game. They haven't been above 20 since 2015. Wow. That's bonkers. Um, so, I mean, like, first and foremost, like, Shiano and, and by extension, his hire, Sean Gleason, or, or Sean Gleason and, by extension, his boss, Shiano, however that, that turn of phrase is supposed to work, having a, an immediate impact. Whether they can do it on the defensive side, as, as you heard John say, you know, remains to be seen. But this was, this was driven by essentially one thing only, and that is dramatically better passing. Uh, Rutgers increased their average completion percentage by eight points to 63%. Their yards per attempt were still awful. Like half the, more than half the guys that caught passes had like single digit yards, yards per catch, but it was still better than 2019 statistically. Um, they halved their interception rate and almost doubled their touchdown rate. This all resulted in about a 50% increase in passing yards per game a positive turnover ratio for the first time in God knows how long, and the scoring figures I cited earlier. Rutgers might be back, baby! Uh, for for whatever that's worth. Um, I mentioned before, they do bring their starting 11 back from 2020. So, you know, can they build on this in 2021? Can they get better? That's the big question. We'll start with their offensive line. The entire two, two deep returns, plus they add a capable transfer from Temple. Their best player is their center, Nick Crimmin. Nobody else is super t- talented on paper, but this group made a big improvement in pass blocking in 2020, and it stands to reason that they're going to get even better in 2021 because of the tenure that they have playing together. They're not amazing. This isn't going to be the best O-line in the Big Ten by any stretch, but they can set the table well. Uh, they have a nice uh, tight end in Giovanni Haskins. He was one of those aforementioned transfers last year, came in from uh, West Virginia. Big, solid blocker, not much of a pass catcher. But, you know, extends that that O-line. This team wants to start with running the ball, right? Uh, they have some solid-looking depth behind uh, Haskins, like some some pretty good players in, in, in Matt uh, Alimo and then Victor Kanapka. No relation to Jack, by the way. I looked it up. Uh, they've got another, another guy named Brandon Myers. So, like, I expect them to use the tight end uh, a little bit more this year, maybe get a little bit more multiple. That might be one of the ways their offense can improve. Wideout is the spot that, was just vastly improved last year, and, and that's in part to the quarterback play. But uh, Bo Melton, who was the leading receiver and the the one promising player on the 2019 team, looked really good last year. 47 catches, six touchdowns. He's back to lead this unit. He's probably their fastest dude, but he's also pretty small. Uh, they added last year Aaron Cruikshank, the Wisconsin transfer, who played pretty well and was was really impactful on kick returns. And then Shameen Jones, uh, Shameen had three touchdowns, uh, double the yards per catch and, and was their most like prototypical receiver. They add transfers from Kansas state and Bucknell this year for depth, along with Isaiah Washington, who has contributed often on the last couple of years. He's important because he's, he's a more physical matchup and gives their uh, wide receiver core a little bit more uh, flexibility and, and diversity. Uh, a true deep threat is what would really get this offense going next year, in my opinion. Um, their yards per attempt is so low, but the completion percentage and the sack rate have really improved. So it, it, it seems like there's the potential for a wide receiver to step up. You know, it's not like the, the quarterback is having to dump the ball every four seconds. It's that they just don't seem to have guys that can go downfield and make big catches. So, like, 
I'm not seeing a, a lot of talent among the freshman receiver recruits, so you're probably going to have to wait for the next class for for this type of player to really rise up. So it's likely going to be more of the same for Rutgers from a from a weapon standpoint. We'll see if they can you know fine tune things, get a little bit better. Uh, at running back, like this is wash, rinse, repeat. Um, Isaiah Pacheco returns. Uh, he's had two very productive seasons in a row. He was basically identical last year to, to 2019. Uh, the depth behind him is shuffling some, uh, but he's a really strong straight-ahead runner. He's going to set the tone for Rutgers early in games. He's going to you know make life easy on that O-line. Uh, watch for Al-Shady Salam, a really good true, true frosh. Uh, you know, he, he might go back and forth with Pacheco. We'll see how it goes. Uh, quarterback's pretty interesting. So remember all that QB improvement I talked about earlier? Uh, no, it was not Archer Sitkowski or Johnny Langan that suddenly got great, uh, though, though, though they actually looked pretty decent in relief duty. It was former Nebraska quarterback and Scott Frost UCF recruit Noah Vidral. <laughs> uh, he outplayed Luke McCaffrey's arm by a thousand miles last year. I mean, honestly, like in, in, the, in the scope of Vidral's career, he wasn't even that good last year for Rutgers. He certainly didn't approach his freshman year UCF numbers, but he was so much better than the Langan-Sitkowski um, ordeal the previous two seasons that Rutgers you know, increased their, their average scoring by, by over 50%. Uh, he got injured late in the season, and, and that's you know when, when Arthur and Langan uh, came in and actually played okay. Uh, Archer Sikowski has transferred. He's gone now. Uh, Shiano did recruit a really nice player in Evan Simon. He picked Rutgers over Pitt, Temple, West Virginia, Minnesota, Colorado, and Cincinnati, like a pretty decent list. He's a pro-style guy, which would be different from Vidral, but that would align, I think, more with what Shiano and Gleason have preferred in the, in the past. So... It's going to be interesting. Like they, they've got a couple options. They could, they could run, they could run it back with Vidral. Um, they could shift to to the freshman if if Noah struggles some. Uh, but the reality is, however you slice it, Rutgers had a legit offense for the first time in years, and I think there's plenty of reason to believe that they could get slightly better in 2021. I mean, they're not going to score 40 points a game, but I think they can put up you know 24 to 28 regularly and raise their floor from from 21. At the very least, it's an offense that knows what it's doing for maybe the first time in a decade. I mean that that's saying something. I mean, they've been just so awful for so long, and it, it's interesting. Like, you know, Shiano's second year, and things seem to be turning. I mean, like I, I look through our schedule, and it's like mm, Rutgers makes me a little nervous. I mean, to be honest, uh, like I don't know. There, there's there's something about Shiano that I I, I don't know. But uh, here's their schedule. They open up the season. Uh, at home against Temple on a Thursday. Uh, then they're at Syracuse, home for Delaware. Then they're at Michigan, home for Ohio State and Michigan State. Uh, then they come to Northwestern. Then they get their bye. At Illinois, home for Wisconsin. At Indiana, at Penn State, home for Maryland. Um, you know, crossovers, Northwestern, Illinois, and Wisconsin. That's, uh, Not you great, know, Bob. Two, two of the top uh, programs in the West that uh, they get to run into. Uh, Non-con... Temple, Delaware, Syracuse, um, you know, they're in the Carrier Dome for whatever that's worth. Syracuse was pretty bad last year. So, um, I don't know. I mean, could this team win four or five games? I mean, I think they could win five or six if they if they want. I, it, it's, it's just going to depend on a little bit. I mean, like, so take the Michigan game, for example. Like, they took them to triple overtime last year. 
you know, which which team's going to is Michigan going to going to improve that much such that Rutgers has zero shot next year? I mean, possibly. This so I guess the way that I would look at it is the based on everything Scuzz is saying, the ceiling for Rutgers this year is you can project it based on last season. Scuzz is telling you that this offense might be slightly better than it was last year when it was a football offense, which it was not the year before or like the three years before or the four years before. Like last last year, it was an authentic F- FBS offense. So great. So I mean, let's say I mean, it, like well, let's just let's eight, say it, eighth, eighth in the conference in scoring per game. Like that's not just a football offense. That's it's a bottom half of the Big Ten offense. Yeah, it's so let's middle let's, third of the Big Ten offense. <laughs> let's say it improves. Let's say it improves a little bit from that. Let's look at right. So like they lost to Illinois by three. They lost to Michigan in, in triple overtime. They lost to Nebraska by seven. I'll give you two of those wins because I'm I'm not giving you three because they won a game last year where the other team turned it over seven times. So you get two of the three. So that puts them to five and six. So here's the thing. In a vacuum, I'd run that back and say, all right, so I'll give you five and six this year. This schedule is horrific. Delaware was an FCS semifinalist last year. They were a seven and one football team. Cuse was crappy, but Cuse is on the road. Uh, Temple, apparently they took all of Temple's players. So I assume they're going to win that game. Um, And then... Lord have mercy. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Indiana, Penn State, Maryland. Like, they could lose all of those games. Um, See, I, I'm I'm looking at it very differently. I'm looking at this team could certainly win their non-conference, sweep it. I, I don't know that they will. Like, they, they certainly could. Um, yeah, Delaware might be great, but Rutgers 100% has more talent than Delaware. Um Michigan State as their homecoming game. We previewed Michigan State a few oh, weeks ago. They, sure. <laughs> things are not great in East Lansing, and th- there's no reason why Rutgers wouldn't have that game circled. Now, coming off the Michigan-Ohio State back-to-backs the two weeks before, maybe they're not going to be in such a good headspace there, but um, they could be, you know, a, then, then a game at Illinois, certainly plausible, and they, they could be playing for bowl eligibility against Maryland to end the season at home. Yeah, I'm just like, they they won two games in 2019. They won three games last year because one of the teams they played turned it over seven times. And I'm just like, I'm looking at this schedule, and I guess I could see them topping out at, at like a five and seven here. But either way, I think it's all prologue. I mean, so, Scuzz, it's not like I'm not buying your point that they've improved the offense. They have, right? Um but I think it's all prologue to this fascinating 2022 experiment that's going to be going on when they're going to have whatever they've got talent-wise on offense and they've got you know the same kind of level of talent on defense. But either way, they're trotting out all these true freshmen who are all major recruits, to be fair. Um, and we're going to see what they had. But um, you know, it's, it's not that I'm dismissing Rutgers. It's just we've seen what a Rutgers team trending upward with a bunch of top talent looks like it's what Rutgers looked like when they entered the big 10 and then they promptly fell flat on their face. And I'm just looking at this schedule and I'm like, 
it, we're doing a lot of work to sell me on a team that is going to be middle of the road in the conference on offense and either and one of the very worst if not the worst on defense and a hard schedule and i'm just like i don't know like let's put it this way five and six that's a massive win and then shiano can be like we are trending up and it sets the stage for that 2022 season but i, I mean know. i i can i can i don't have to squint too hard to see six wins on this schedule that's that's all i'm saying yeah i'm not suggesting Rutgers is good they're not I'm just suggesting that they could get to bowl eligibility. I I'll, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna say five and seven because I think they trip up somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, everything and, would have to go right for them to go six yeah, and every, six. I think that's that exactly, and and I don't think that happens. But I think I mean I'm not I'm not gonna I'm gonna favor Rutgers in every one of those those non conference games, and then I think there's enough opportunities here to get two more wins. Um, I mean Michigan State, Illinois, Maryland. I. I want to be clear too. That's four, like, five, six. Like we don't have any. Like I have no hate built in for Rutgers or anything like that. I just am like we've been previewing this team forever, so I'm really well acquainted with all the guys that are on the team on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm like, there's no guys there. Like it's not an FBS defense, and I'm like, I look at their team last year, and, and like Scott said, their offense was a lot better, but it was just done in so many times by the fact that they just got shelled, and. I just, they're going to get shelled again this year. I want to be clear. There's nothing I would like more than for Rutgers to be 4-0 hosting Ohio State in Piscataway, New Jersey after just having (laughs) beaten the Michigan Wolverines on the road. Sign me up. Like, I am all about that. Like, sign me up for the Michigan schadenfreude. Like, especially given the fact that those teams... But it's like that triple overtime game last year was as painful of a game to watch if you were a fan of the game of football. That game was for three overtimes, both teams steadfastly refusing to win the game. And of course, that was, you know, not to bury the lead of future previews, but said as much about Michigan as it did about Rutgers. So again, it's like, I, truth be told, am super fascinated for the, what the 2022 Rutgers season is going to look like. And that's not to say that I'm totally dismissing this. And I'll be really curious to see, honestly, if Scuzz, you know, if everything Scuzz said, if they can build on the huge improvement they were able to make offensively last year, I'm just like, this team is handcuffed to the defense that it has. And like this schedule, I mean, I, I assume Syracuse is going to be bad again, but I don't know. It's just like, it's a it's a rough road to say the least. But again, if they win even four, that's more than enough for what Rutgers' goals are right now, right? Like four is trending upward. Like they're they're thinking long term with Shiano here. He's got the longest rope possible. Sure, I mean like I, like it's gravy. Like that like bowl eligibility this year would be a relative you know a relatively minor miracle and and like in the eyes of, of fans and the national media and all that sort of stuff. Right. I, I, and like, they don't, they don't need it. Shiano doesn't need that to save, you know, his job or face or whatever. Like the fact that he took this job is enough. Um, and he, you know, I, but I think last year we were kind of wondering like, yeah, Shiano was great when they were in the big East. Like, can he cut it in the big 10? And I think he, with, with no spring practice, they made an enormous leap last year and I'm not, and they're not going to do that again this year. I just, I, I just, you know, they're getting a little, they're getting a little feisty. Um, I mean, I think the, the one thing that I'm, that I'm, I'm thinking about now is 
Michigan State bringing back most of their O-line and having a lot of good options at running back, even though they haven't shown their ability to really dominate teams through the run like they had in the past, if they figure that out, that's a bad formula for Rutgers because they need teams that are a little weaker on the on the running front, right, that have to have to throw against them and hope they get lucky. I assume that that's going to be the formula. So, you know, Michigan State, Northwestern, Ohio State, Michigan, these are going to be really tall orders because uh, I think all those teams are going to have pretty strong run games. I should be clear. So Temple was bad last year, and then, again, it sounds like Rutgers got their best players. So, like, I'm sure that's going to be a win. The Syracuse one is an early bellwether. If they go to the Carrier Dome and they smack Syracuse silly, that's certainly going to be something that that everyone, you know, sits up and pays attention to. Um, Yeah. And again, like, I I can't state this enough. Beat Michigan. I want to see that happen. I'm just like, you know, I, I think... I think it's going to be four or five wins, and I think that accomplishes all of Shano's goals for this season. Syracuse picked last in the ACC Atlantic Division by Phil Steele. Yeah, so it's 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 possible Delaware's the best team in their non-con. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, let's go ahead and uh, close the book on the Scarlet Knights. Um, Obviously, we'll revisit them later on in the season, uh, middle of October, as they come to Evanston for homecoming. Uh, Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at westlawpirates. You can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we have our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.